Amen. Amen. Thank you guys for that. And thank you, Caleb, for your beautiful job on the piano. Don't know if you guys know, Caleb's album is going to be released here soon, so be sure you grab it uh, when it comes out, as well as I think Jay Lee and Carol are putting out an album too, so you're going to be one watching for those. Um, I've already got them, so I can tell you that they're good. Uh, no, I'm kidding. But it is good to be in the house of God tonight, and I'm excited about it. Man, I'm excited about what's been happening in Children's Church. Of course, you guys wouldn't know for like two months, because I got canceled last month for Mother's Day, of all things. But uh, I'm kidding, kidding, kidding. Um, but no, Children's Church, you've been having a good time down there. I got the opportunity to teach a little bit uh, while Brother Holman was having a sojourn. Uh, I asked Miss Bonnie last week, I said, hey, I'm going to be teaching Sunday. And she's like, I don't know, Holman's getting his tables taken out on Monday, and then I'll get him to text you. And I was like, okay, sounds good. And to me, I was like, if he's getting his tables out on Monday, that's less than seven days, so I'll be teaching on Sunday, which was fine. I already had the lesson picked out that I was going to teach. And on Tuesday morning, Holman texts me, and he says, so right with you, I'm going to teach King's Kids on Sunday. And I'm like... You got it, man. Uh, and, man, I tell you what, it's good to work with people who love being used of the Lord. And I love working with Brother Holman. And, man, you should have been down there this morning. He did a great job. His hands all died blue from the illustration. But the kids got it, and it was worth it. And uh, we had a good time. Uh, and God has been welcome, man. It's awesome to see kids consistently memorizing Bible verses, consistently uh, building church attendance, and consistently doing things that show a desire to be in a relationship with God. A lot of times... Uh, it's easy to think that they're kids, and so how serious can their relationship with God be? But I tell you what, God still wants to have a relationship with them. And every Sunday when you're down there and you see them grow and get closer to God, it makes it worth it. Not that it's hard at all. I love being down there. Like I said, I would prefer to be down there than him. But it makes it worth it. And man, it's awesome to see God using that ministry. And as always, if you know of a kid that's not involved, get them involved. You know, obviously, obvious answer there. And we do hope that you do. Uh, I know that we do everything we can to add to the children's group, but genuinely speaking, not just as a children's Wow. I don't look up. You know what I'm saying? They taught me in college to make eye contact, so I'm making eye contact. Those guys probably been yelling at me up though. If y'all have seen way over there, wow, I must have been getting bad. Can you hear me now, guys? All right, I'm going to make eye contact to like whistle or something if you need me. All right, um, but no, please do uh, try to get children involved in the ministry uh, of Children's Church, not because I'm a great teacher, Brother Homan is, but not because he's a great teacher, but because the Word of God can change lives, and building that foundation on the Word of God as children is uh, crazy. And that being said, VBS coming up. So that means that at this time you should be signing up. You know what I'm saying? I take care of it, and Brother Homan takes care of it, and Pastor Kent takes care of all the youth ministries all year round, and we never complain, and we never cry, and we ask for one week of evenings of your time, and I hope that you give it, and if you have vacation schedule, cancel it, if you got work schedule, cancel it, if you got anything scheduled, cancel it, just Go ahead and cancel it. I promise you, you're going to have a better time hanging out with me than you would hanging out at work or on vacation. Go ahead and cancel your plans and plan to be here. Sign-up sheets are in the back. Be sure you fill them out. Aaron, I'm looking at you. I haven't seen yours filled out yet. Um, I just got to call him out. He, was, he said he didn't even want to come tonight, so there had to be something, all right? Uh, and there it was, Aaron. Just get it out of the way. Um, but no, please do sign up for VBS and bring your kids too. So bring you and bring your kids. And I tell you what, God's going to use that week. We've been praying about it and we've been planning it and planning it and planning it and planning it. And it's still a couple months away or a month away, a month. 
Yeah, like a month and a half. But anyway, it's a little bit away, and we've already been putting a lot of work into that. And I'm excited about it. And if you're not excited about it, get excited about it and come back and try again. Um, but do fill out your thing before you leave because I'm charged with building the local schedule, so I need to know who's working. So please fill them out quickly um, so I can have those. All right, let's get into the Bible before I ramble all my time. Oh, yeah, there it was. There it was. All right. He told me he was going to amen at a random time, too, and I was just hoping he would get it out of the way soon, and he did. There it was. Thank you, Aaron. Thank you for being vocal. All right. All right, we're diving into the Bible now, and so let's see what God has for us. And then I don't want to talk to you about some things to remember in the storm. Things to remember in the storm. And when I started thinking that this is where I was going to preach, this is the direction God was leading, I didn't know it was going to rain, but it's raining. All right, so that was just confirmation that the Lord wanted me to preach this tonight. I want to go over some things to remember in the storm. I'm not talking about when it's raining. All you need to remember when it's raining is an umbrella, and you're good to go. But in life, a lot of times storms come, and they cause difficulty. And I want to remind us of some things to remember in the storm. Uh, because a lot of times when you're in the storm, our ability to remember and apply the word of God is severely limited. And we all know, no matter your age, no matter your financial standing, you're going to have a storm in life. You're going to have a hardship, whether you're having one now or in the future, or perhaps just came through one. I want to go through some things to remember in the storm, uh, whether it's before, during, or after the storm. So let's go ahead and pray, and then we'll get into what God has for us tonight. God, we want to thank you for the opportunity, and I thank you for the opportunity to speak your word. God, I pray that you would bless me, that God cleanse me of any sin and fill me with the Holy Spirit, that I may be able to speak your truth tonight. God, help all of us to apply the message and, and to take note of some things to remember in some storms, God. Take note of who you are and who we are and, God, how that applies. Help us to be attentive to your word, God. Meet with us tonight, we pray. God, teach us something, something that will change our lives, and we'll thank you for it. And in Jesus' name, amen. Matthew chapter 14 is where you're going to be. Matthew chapter 14, first book in the New Testament, Aaron, if you need help. Um, Matthew chapter 14, that's the last one I'm going to let him go. I can't preach and pick on Aaron at the same time. So, um, Matthew chapter 14, let me give you some background while you're turning there. Uh, so what we come is, John the Baptist just got, actually, like literally, he just got, taken out, all right, um, and so he's no longer on the scene, and Jesus has this multitude following, they go up into the mountains, and Jesus does the miracle of the feeding of 5,000, if you have any questions about it, ask the kids in children's church, they'll be able to answer them for you, all right, feeding of the 5,000 takes place, uh, great miracles done, most of you know the story, if not all of you, kid, five loaves, two fishes, and God takes it and feeds 5,000 men, not counting women and children, approximately 20,000 people fed off of one kid's lunch, that's just happened. And we're going to pick up the story right immediately after that in Matthew chapter number 14, verse number 22. And the Bible says, And straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and to go before the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain to pray. And when the evening was come... He was there alone. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with the waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit. And they cried out for fear. But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer. 
it is I, be not afraid. And Peter answered and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. And he said, come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked in the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? And when they were coming to the ship, the wind ceased. Tonight I want to show you, I believe it's just five things. It'll be short things too. It's a short message because I don't want to stretch it out. I don't want to make it long. I want to give you things that you can remember and that you can apply. And as we dive in tonight, I want to start off as we go through this story. What can we learn? What can we look at? What can we apply? What are some things to remember in a storm? First off, I want to show you that Jesus will lead you into some storms. A lot of times the picture of Jesus that we have is the one who calms the storm. The one who comes to see. The one who stops the storm. The one who says, no more storms, peace, be still. And when we're in a storm, it becomes easy then to say, God, why? Aren't you going to calm the storm? Aren't you going to calm the sea? It's about time. The ship, the wind is being boisterous. I can't get the ship to go. I'm trying to do what you want me to do. But the wind is being contrary. It's not working with me. Wind's blowing east. I'm sailing west. It's not working with me. Won't you calm the storm? Won't you switch the wind? But I want to point out tonight that Jesus will lead you into the storm. And straightway, Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and go before him unto the other side while he sent the multitudes away. I want to show you a couple of things. When Jesus sends you into a storm, a lot of times Jesus will send you into a storm immediately following a victory. Jesus will send you into a storm immediately. The disciples had just seen Jesus feed 5,000 people, men alone, with two lo- or five loaves and two fishes. They had just witnessed this great miracle. Jesus had just shown his power unto them, but there are only so much you can learn in victory. And Jesus follows up this great miracle, this great demonstration, by sending them into a storm immediately. It doesn't really make sense. The Bible says this, And straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and go before him unto the other side. That makes sense. We know John the Baptist has just died. Jesus has just performed this great miracle. We know because we have the full Bible, you can read that he goes into the mountain alone to pray. But if you look at the end of this verse right here, in verse number 22, it says, while he sent the multitudes away. How many of you guys have ever done like people control? Like at a VBS, you're trying to control a bunch of people. It's better off to have more than one, in my experience. If you're trying to control five people with one, you might be okay. You're trying to control 50 people with one, you're majorly outnumbered, but you might survive. You try to control 100 people by yourself, even if they're adults, you can't do it. I mean, I work with kids, and sometimes I think 100 kids might be better than 100 adults. I can't control, I can't can't get three adults to listen to me, you know? It's probably because I shaved. But uh, anyway, (laughs) there it was. I'll make one one dish for myself. but he sends all of his hump away. And it wasn't one, five, fifty, five hundred. It was 5,000 men. And Jesus gets done feeding them. They clean up the food, the 12 baskets, set them down. And Jesus doesn't say, man, I've had a long day. So you disciples, y'all make sure these people go home. 
I'm going to the mountain to pray. He looks at all of his help, and immediately he says, go get into the ship, and y'all set sail, and I'm going to take care of the multitude. By myself, I'm going to make sure these 20,000 people all go home, and then I'll go pray. Immediately, Jesus sends them into a ship. Why? Because I feel that, that God's timeline for loaning never, never puts you pause. Now, I'm not saying that God doesn't put you in one place for a long time. What I'm saying is God's relationship and God teaching you and bringing you to the next level never hits pause. So Jesus feeds 5,000 people, and the disciples are ecstatic. They are blown away that this just happened. And Jesus says, I don't want this to stop here. Thank you for the amen, finally. Um, I don't want this to stop here. I want to teach you something else. My timeline's not on pause. I'll take care of cleaning up this right here. You learned the lesson. You've seen the power that I have to feed 5,000 people. Now go get into a ship and start learning the next lesson. I need you to be a little bit into the water before I can teach you. And immediately he said, this is, this is what I want to say from this. When it comes to Jesus leading us into a storm, sometimes he leads us into a storm immediately. And what we have to understand is that he's ready to teach us the next thing. Let me put it to you this way. If you feel that you've been in the same spot with your relationship with God for too long, the news is that you have been. If you're like, I just feel like I've been kind of stuck on this plateau for a little bit too long. Well, then you have. Jesus' timeline never hits pause. He's always ready to take you to the next level. And to his disciples immediately, he said, go get into the ship. It's time to get into the ship. Why? Because I'm going to teach you the next thing. Immediately, God is moving on and on and on. And he does the same for us. God doesn't want us to get into the scripture and to set up the same devotional plan and the same Bible reading plan and the same prayer to plan. And then we're stuck. He's always ready to teach us the next thing. Sometimes that comes through giving us a victory and reminding us that I'm capable and I'm powerful. Sometimes that comes through sending us into a storm. But Jesus often leads into a storm. And in this case, he led immediately. But also, he, it, was, it was interesting the way that he led. Like I said, the multitude's still there. The miracle just ended. The multitude is still standing right there. And Jesus says to all of his home, go on, I'll take care of this. I wouldn't have. That would have been one of the services where I said every human who is a member here is staying after service to help clean this up. Uh, <laughs> that's how it's going to be. But Jesus says go on. Let me tell you, the heart of Jesus, the heart of God, is to always draw us closer to him. We should know that by the way, Christ died on the cross to provide a way for us. He's okay with making sacrifices to draw us. And Man, it's interesting the way that he said, okay, y'all guys go get into a ship. Don't help clean up. For me, maybe I would have said this is a good time for outreach. We just did a really nice miracle here. So let's go share the gospel with these people. Let's make sure that they attend our next rally. Let's make sure that these people stick around. Uh, so y'all 12 disciples go evangelize this group real quick, but he didn't. It seems that God took the 12 people that could have made the biggest impact in that environment and sent them away. And friends, oftentimes, God taking us to next levels in a storm can be more important than us continuing to minister where we're at. I guess what I'm trying to say is when Jesus is leading us into a storm, He's okay with doing that for the benefit of us. 
He's okay with saying, okay, this storm's coming up, and the disciples don't know it. What the disciples think they're doing is getting in a boat and sailing across the smooth sea to the other side. These guys were good in boats. Uh, many of them are fishermen for their whole lives. They're comfortable in boats. They're comfortable in water. They're comfortable sailing. Uh, and they think they're just about to sail off. God knows that there's a storm coming up, and he knows he's going to teach them something. And it's interesting that God chooses here and now to lead them into a storm. But God in his wisdom knows when we need a storm. So I want to remind you guys, maybe you're going through a storm right now. What's something to remember in a storm? Sometimes God will lead you into the storm. Sometimes it's not a why God is this happening, but a what God do I need to learn. Because I'm ready for the next step, God. I'm in the storm, and I trust that you led me right here. Doesn't make it fun. The disciples were not having fun when the wind was blowing the wrong direction they couldn't sail. But Jesus sometimes leads into a storm to teach us the next level, to teach us the next thing. I want to show you number two, though, that Jesus will meet you in the storm. Jesus will meet you in the storm. Matthew 14, verse number 24 through verse number 25. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. Now, I'm not a sea guy. Let's time out right there. I hate the sea. I've been deep sea fishing one time, one time. And that was on one of those big, like, pody boat deals where you got, like, 40 people who don't know how to fish shoulder to shoulder. Drop your line. Stop. When the post mate says stop, fish bites, reel up. Okay? That was it. Fun. I caught a few fish. That was fine. Except for the smell of the octopus and the waves. Not fun at all. Made me sick. Jason laughs at me. He's like, dude, I can sit on a boat all day long. He's told me about storms that happen. He was a commercial fisherman. He tells me about storms that happen, and I'm like, dude, I would have jumped in and died. That way it was over. Like, I wouldn't have wanted to live. Just end it, man. Jump in. And he's like, no, it's not that bad. And you talk to sailors, and they'll tell you about these storms where they're just getting rocked in the bunk, and they're just sitting there holding on, trying not to, you know, slam into the side of the boat. And they're fine with this. I'm not fine with this stuff, okay? That's not... That I'm not comfortable in the water. Like a swimming pool or a lake, sure. But when the waves exceed my height, that's when the pony's over and I'm going home. Okay? Um, but here we are in this, and they were fishermen, so they were probably okay with this. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. What that means is they're trying to sail this direction, and the wind is not making that possible. Now, these guys knew how to sell a boat. It's not like me trying to sell a boat. The wind could be blowing perfectly, and I couldn't sell a boat. You know? Like, at all. I would just sit there and soak my toes in the water. These guys knew what they were doing in the boat. They didn't have the ability to just crank up the motor and drive into the wind and just be like, ah, put the sail down today. Let's just motor and, you know, a little 25 horsepower in the back of the sailboat, just send it across the sea. No, the wind was contrary. They were trying to do what God had told them to do, and now the boat is getting rocked on these waves. They're trying to go into the storm. The storm's got waves. Uh, they had probably seen most storms, but the truth is they're stuck. In the storm, with the waves, hitting the side of the boat. This is where they're stuck. You stay in this situation for too long, and your little wood boat is going to break. Um, those little wood boats were not designed to be beat on continuously. And here they are, in the middle of the storm, trying to go forward. Jesus Christ says, go across the sea to the other side. I'm going to meet you there. They didn't ask questions. They just said, okay, uh, let's get in the boat, and we'll go to the other side. And now, about the fourth watch of the night, they've been sailing for some time. Here they sit, and the boat is getting beat to death. The wind will not blow the right direction, and they cannot accomplish what Jesus had asked them to do. And maybe tonight you feel like God gave you clear direction on what you were supposed to do. 
And you went and you got right in the boat and you put up the sail and you started sailing. And now you're stuck in the middle of the sea. The wind will not blow the right direction. The waves are getting taller and taller and taller. And you're beginning to wonder, did I misunderstand what sail to the other side meant? Did he mean that I was supposed to wait on him? About any time now would be a good chance for the breeze to switch directions. I would really like to get this little boat across these real big waves to the other side before I get seasick. And what God called you to do, you're beginning to wonder, is this even what, is this even what God wants? Is this really what he wants? But I want to tell you that Jesus will meet you in the storm. What's something to remember is Jesus will meet you in the storm. First off, I want to show you that Jesus came to them. Jesus came to them. Matthew 14, 25, and in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them, walking on the sea. I just want to say, if you're in a storm right now, and everything you thought you had planned out, and you were in the will of God, and you were doing everything right, and you're like, why is this being such a difficulty right now? Remember that Jesus will come unto you. It wouldn't have been much benefit for the disciples if they would have had to turn the ship around, sail back through the storm for multiple hours to get to the other side, to pick up Jesus on the shore and say, uh, can you please come to see? Because we can't make it. We made it halfway and the boat got stuck. So can you... Let me tell you what, in the storm, Jesus will come to you. The disciples out there struggling, they're like, this is what God called me to do. This is what he told me to do. He told me to sail to the other side. I'm going to end this ship. And maybe the wind's being contrary, but I'm going to keep on sailing to the other side. I'm going to keep on doing what I'm supposed to do. Even in the midst of this storm, Jesus told me to go into the sea. He knew the storm was coming, and I'm just going to keep sailing. And because of their faithfulness, God came unto them. Jesus came walking unto them in the storm. Man, I'm, I'm glad that, that in the difficulties of life, God comes unto me. He knows that, that I'm in the middle of the storm and I'm trying to figure out how, how to handle all of this. And it's not working. My ship is not floating. The wind is not changing. My sails are not blowing. And instead of saying, okay, now on top of all that, I still need you to meet me on the other side. I'm going to leave you high and dry in the ocean. And when you make it to the other side of the storm, I'll be standing on the shore, clapping my hands, happy to see you. Good job. That's not what Jesus did. He didn't go ahead and just walk across the sea. And when he seen them duck behind the wave and skip on to the other side and say, good luck, boys. Keep trying it. The storm will die in the morning and you can come on across. No, Jesus came walking onto them. He said, I know what you're going through right now is a lie. I know that you can't get to the other side and I'm going to come to you. If you're going through a storm, let me remind you of something. Jesus will never leave you nor forsake you. That's true standing on the shore feeding the 5,000. When you have nothing to feed them, and Jesus takes five loaves and two fishes and feeds them all, Jesus is with you then. But he's also with you when he sends you into the storm. Don't begin to doubt the truth of God's word when you're in the storm. I know in the middle of the storm, these disciples probably were not thinking, well, about any minute now, Jesus will come walking on the water and he'll, he'll lay this sea down and we'll just get on the cross. They may not have even thought of Jesus one time except for the thought of, man, I wish he would have waited to sail across the sea. Do we really need to do this right now? But Jesus came to them. I want to tell you, number two, Jesus was unaffected 
by the storm. Jesus was unaffected by the storm. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them, walking on the sea. Now, let me be clear, when you're in a boat, the things that you have to worry about when you're sailing is really kind of two things. The water, the wind. That pretty much sums it up, all right? You need to be concerned about the water and the wind. That is the two things that were completely wrecking the disciples right now. The waves were getting bigger, and the wind was not blowing, at least not in the right direction. We know that it was being contrary, so whether that was no wind at all or no good wind at all. And Jesus walks on the water that was beating on the side of the boat. Walks, just strolls on the water that was beating on the side of their boat into the wind that was the same wind that was blowing their boat back. He was unaffected by the storm. The storm didn't stop him. The disciples were stopped in the middle of the sea, can't get to the other side, ocean's getting bigger, boat's stuck in the middle. And Jesus is just walking. He could have easily and kept on walking. He was unaffected. Now, what I'm not saying is... Jesus, I'm not saying that Jesus doesn't care about your problems. Jesus cares greatly about your problems, and he is affected by our sorrows. He is affected by our sadness. It's not like he's like, ha I don't care. But what I'm saying is, what is causing us problems is not causing him problems. When I first, uh, well, I say I, when we went hiking with David for the first time, he's one of those, you know, absolute just freak of nature humans. Like, and I don't say that being mean, he just is. He's one of those guys that just, I don't know where he got it. Like, he's just weird, bro. Um, he's strong, and he doesn't look like it, and he's fast, and he doesn't look... I just, I'm like, I don't know what this deal is, but this dude's fit. We decided to go hiking with him. And so he's kind, and he's like, well, these people are clearly out of shape, but I don't want to say that. So uh, I'm just going to pick an easy section of trail. And he does. It is really easy section of trail. And we went to go hiking. So I'm getting all this gear, and you got to have all this food and water and cooking and all, I don't know, sleeping bags, all this stuff, tent, all this stuff. And I got this nice hiking backpack loaded down with all my stuff, and I'm like, dude, I am going to crush this trail. I'm about to be like the best hiker in history. And I did great for like three miles. Then, would you believe it, my 30-pound backpack, something miscommunicated with gravity, it weighed like 120 pounds. <laughs> don't know what happened now. And my shoulders are crying to death, like literally crying. And I'm like, great. Well, I'm not making it even the first day now. So hiking trip's over. And so David's like, well, let me tell you what you can do. Let's tighten up your waistband, and that relieves the pressure from your shoulders. And I was like, that is a good idea. So I cinch my waistband up tight, and all the weight's off my shoulders. I'm ready to go now, man. And I slam another three miles. And I feel terrible because now my shoulders are crying and my hips are crying. And I just feel like I'm getting weighed down. I feel like I'm carrying this tree. And so David stops and he helps me adjust all my straps again. And he's like, all right, you're good to go. And I was good to go. Here we went again, man, slamming a couple more miles. And I feel terrible again because now my legs are tired of walking with all this weight just weighing them down. I don't even want to eat my snacks. 
I don't want to drink my water. I don't want to sleep in my sleeping bag. I want to hand all my stuff to a through hiker and say, take it, and I'll just sleep on the ground for a couple nights so I don't have to carry this stuff. Now, let me tell you what was the most annoying part. Not my sore hips, not my sore shoulders, not my sore feet, not my sore legs, none of that. It was this. He was completely unaffected by his backpack. Completely. He put it on in the morning, and he wore it all day. I'm like, every time he stops to take a drink, taking my bag off and setting it down, trying to get, he wore it all day. He eats lunch with it on. He just, like it's not even back there. And so I'm thinking, I way overpacked. Except that this dude has more food, more gear, more everything than everybody. Like, he's basically like a camping store in his backpack. And he's unaffected. He is unaffected. And I'm like, what? What am I doing wrong? Same thing was true when I went to work for Jason. He's like, get some suspenders on your tool bags. I was like, great. So I got suspenders on my tool bags. I still wear them now. Now they don't bother me. For the first two weeks, I couldn't lift my arms. It's just like right here was it, man. I could swing a hammer down, and that was it. They're so heavy. And he's unaffected. He's just whistling. He still wears his tool bags all day. Jason just all day wearing tool bags. And I'm like, what? The same is true of Jesus, though. We're going through a storm, and it feels like our backpack went from 30 pounds to 170 pounds, and it's weighing us down. And, man, we tighten up our waist strap and do everything we can to make it work. And now our hips are sore and our shoulders are sore. And we adjust our straps again, and it's still too much. Jesus isn't affected the way we are. What's being a problem for us isn't being a problem for him. What is it? way beyond our control isn't at all beyond his control. What is crushing us is not crushing him. Jesus was unaffected by the storm, and I want to show you, Jesus was above the storm. Matthew 14, 25, in the fourth watch in the night, Jesus went unto them, walking unaffected on the sea, on top of it. To sum up this point so my message isn't long, friends, it's good to remember in a storm. What do you want to remember? Jesus is more powerful than the storm. If he led you into it, what is beating you down, it's not beating him down. What is killing you isn't killing him. What you are struggling so hard to simply move through, he's standing on top of. As the disciples look across the sea later in the story, you know what they see? Jesus on top of the sea. Not only is that weird because you can't walk on water, but Jesus is walking on water. He could have swam, he could have got a boat, but he walks on the water. When they look across their problem, what they see is a God who is unaffected and able to get them out of it. To you tonight, I want to say, if you're going through a storm, Remember, man, Jesus is above the storm. If he led you into it, he's more powerful than it is. It may affect you, but it's not affecting him. Next, I want to show you quickly as we go through the rest of the story that Jesus will teach us in the storm. Jesus will teach us in the storm. Matthew 14, verse number 28. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou... 
because he's kind of weirded out about the whole walking on the water thing. He wants to kind of do a, like a fleece, a variation test. He's like, okay, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. Now, this is a really like gutsy move. Probably wouldn't have made it, but it is kind of definite. No one but Jesus can allow you to walk on the water. So he's like, definite way to see if something's messing with us here. If it's you, call me out on the water and let me walk on the water too. And he said, Jesus, that is, come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. First thing Jesus will teach you in a storm is he will show you his power. When you're in a storm, a lot of times God takes you there not to beat you up, not to tear you down, but to show you how powerful he is. There are some things that you can only learn in a storm. It doesn't really matter how big I say I am when I don't have to prove anything. I could tell y'all for days that I can bench press 350. For days. And as long as we never go to a gym, who's to say I can't? All right? If we go to a gym, we got some problems. I got problems, big ones. We're going to need like some sort of crazy assisted lift. I might get now probably like 180, all right? Not 350. She thinks I could do 350. I appreciate the confidence, but it's not happening. You can't show your power. Unless you're in a strain. I can say that I'm, the, that I'm the strongest person in the building tonight. Definitely stronger than Aaron. There's that. Um, but it doesn't mean that it's true. A lot of times God takes us into a storm. And it might not be comfortable. You might be saying, man, this wind is really starting to get annoying. Because I can't go anywhere. And the reason God has you there is this. You've forgotten how capable he is. And you can only remember once you realize that you can't fix it. Man, Jason could give you a long list of things that I've messed up. And if I can fix it, he never knows about it. You know what I'm saying? But there's some things I'm like, dude, this is what happened. You got to fix it. I don't know how. And in the storm, I remember... Well, I'm not the best carpenter, but I know someone who can, and he can fix this. And a lot of times God takes us into a storm so that he can show us how powerful he is. He's walking on the water, and Peter says, if it's you, bid me to come on the water. And he says, come on. I know I built your faith by feeding the 5,000 just a little bit ago, and now you're willing to say, if it's you, come on to the water. And so let me show you how powerful I am. Come on and walk on the water. Something to remember if you're in the storm is that Jesus is trying to teach you. He's trying to teach you how powerful he is. But not only that, he's trying to teach you how weak you are. Good old Peter jumps out of the boat, starts walking on water. He's having a good time. He's making memories. This is like the most exhilarating thing he's ever going to do. I can promise you that. But when he saw the wind boisterous, the wind that was causing him problems before is still causing him problems now. He was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. Look at the end of verse number 31. And said unto him, O thou of little faith, where did I doubt? God took him into the storm so he could show him how powerful he is. He says, look, I can, I can allow you to walk in the water. I can make you rise above this storm too. And we can walk to the shore together and leave the boat in the middle of the ocean. It's not a problem. I'm capable of doing that. But that wasn't the whole goal. He wanted to remind them how weak they were. 
I don't know, I wasn't there, but I would assume if I had just been in any way po of taking one lunch and feeding 5,000 people, I would be feeling pretty good about myself, whether I did it or not. And God's like, let me remind you. It's not you, Peter. You're still scared of the wind. You're still scared of the waves. And because of that, you're sinking. You can't do what I can do. But I can enable you to be able to do it. And Peter begins to sink, and God's like, now that you remember how weak you are and you're crying out to me, Lord, save me. Not, look, I can walk on the water. I can feed 5,000 people. But, Lord, save me. I'm sinking. Now I can show you how strong I am. When you're in a storm, remember this. God didn't just send you there, but he sent you there so that he can teach you how powerful he is, how weak we are. I want to show you, number four, quickly, Jesus will protect us in the storm. Matthew 14, 31, and immediately, Peter sinking, Jesus stretched forth his hand and called him and said, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? And then we know that they made it back to the boat. Let me turn the page. I was looking at verse 22 and it was the wrong one. Okay. Um, and when they were come, this is verse 32, and when they were come into the ship, the wind ceased. So we know that Jesus reached down, he grabs Peter, and then they make it unto the ship. Let me tell you what, Jesus saved the sailor. You know what I'm saying? The sailor's out there, boat's not working out, he starts walking on the water, and he starts drowning. Jesus didn't send Peter into the storm to kill him. Right, I just want to clarify, Jesus' goal was not for Peter to drown in the ocean. So he saved him. A lot of times we get into the storm, and because of the storm, because of the intensity of the storm, we begin to think that God sent us there for our destruction. God, what are you trying to do? Is this it? Is this really where you want me to end up? Is this really how this is going to play out? Is this really the storm you have for me? This is it? I'm going to drown? All this, me trying to do your will and I'm just going to drown? I can promise you one thing. God does chasten us, and that's entirely different. But there are storms God sends us into, and they're not to kill us. The goal is not to drown us. It's to make us stronger. It's because there's something we can learn in the storm that we can't learn outside the storm. And in the moment that Peter stopped walking on water and started sinking, I guarantee you he thought, whoops, there that went. Maybe I should have stayed in the boat like the others. But God didn't take him into the storm to kill him. Not only that, did God save the sailor, but God saved the ship. And when they were coming to the ship, the wind ceased. Now, I think it would have made for a great story uh, if Jesus would have just scooped out the other 11, and they would have had like that nice end of the movie scene shot where they're just walking in a big storm behind them, lightning bolts, wind, and all 13 of them just walk to the shore. Leave the boat, and they just walk on the water to the shore and step off credits. You know, that would have made for a good story. But it's not what God did. If this ship goes down, somebody's paying for it. You know what I'm saying? Whether they lost it or they're paying for it, somebody's ship just sunk in the ocean. And so God not only saves the sailor, but he saves the ship. God's not out there to ruin you, and he's not out there to ruin your life. 
When God leads you into a storm, the purpose isn't to wreck everything that you've established. The purpose isn't to take your ship and shove it under the water and say, now you don't have that anymore. The purpose is to say, look what I can do and what you can't. Let me teach you something that you can't loan in victory. Let me teach you something that you can't loan on a mountaintop. But he's not out there to destroy you. It breaks my heart when Christians leave or weaken their relationship with God through a storm. Under the assumption that God doesn't care. That God's just out here to sink my ship. That God's out here to drown me. Friend, let me promise you, that's not why God's leading you into a storm. If God wanted to ruin your life, he could do it without a storm. He doesn't need a storm to do it. When you're in a storm, remember that Jesus is going to protect you. You don't need to worry about, oh, wow, let me, let me try to get the boat to sail. Let me try to fix all this. If you look, there was 11 people still in the boat, still trying to sail through the storm. They didn't step out like Peter. They didn't say, let's go walk on the water. They didn't say, let's loan what God has for us to loan right here. They were still trying to sail the ship into the shore. They didn't learn the lesson. Peter's like, Lord, protect me. Can I come on the water too? Can I, can I loan? You don't need to worry about the storm. God's going to protect you. He's going to take care of you. He's going to take care of the things around you. So stop worrying about the storm. Start worrying about the lesson. God's going to protect you. When you're in a storm, remember that God's going to protect you. And finally, we should praise God after the storm. Matthew 14, 33. Then they that were in the ship came and worshipped him, saying, Of a truth, thou art the Son of God. Guys, as we wrap up tonight, I don't know, maybe some of you are in a storm. Maybe none of you are. That, that would be cool. But I can promise you somebody's going to be. And when you are, remember these things. They're simple. I know they are. But God does sometimes lead us into a storm. There are sometimes things you can only loan in a storm. You can't loan to drive a car in the rain unless you drive a car in the rain. You can't loan to sell a boat with bad wind unless you sell a boat in bad wind. And you can't go from a storm unless you go through the storm. Sometimes God will lead you there. But he's stronger than the storm. He's going to protect you in the storm. He's going to take care of you in the storm. Don't, please don't think that God took you out there to destroy you. But instead say, God, I'm trusting you to take care of the storm. And in the meantime, what is it you wanted me to loan out here? Where am I weak? Where are you strong?